you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Yeah, it's so good to be together. Love you guys. Love this community. Um, I had yesterday, I was at this uh, ASU event. I'm wearing the shirt from it um, now, actually. I was part of this leadership program at ASU, and they had asked me to be like an alumni panel speaker and to share a little bit of like who I am, what I'm up to now. And so me and other coworkers here at Neighborhood Ministries came to lead a breakout session. And uh, I did the panel later on that day, and I was like, you know, like in a panel, like I'm probably going to get asked some like generic question about something that I'll answer and I was kind of like, all right, whatever. But then he, uh, the the guy who led the panel was the dude who had, like, founded the organization. And I'm from, like, the first cohort of the organization. So I've gotten, like, time um, with the founder that not maybe everybody has gotten. And so his question to me was, like, Kendall, I remember when we would we would grab, like, coffee. And we'd get coffee, like, every now and then. And he's had, like, you always let you were on the search for, like, what's real and what's true. Um, I was in college, like with, with that, that was stirring in you and with like your, all the things that have happened in your life now and what you plan on doing, he was like, why? And I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I wasn't expecting uh, that question. I don't remember how I answered it <laughs> even. But it was one of those things where like someone asks you something and then you like go back later on like, man, I, I should have said this. Um, which... Uh, maybe that's part of what what this is is like. Part of what I could have said at that moment. Um, I feel like I'm always. I feel like even more now than before. Always asking the question, um, God, who are you? And God, who am I? Um, feels like a question that's been stirring in me a lot these days. And I think this me sharing a little bit of my story communicates a little bit of who I am and how I got to um, where we're at in starting Black South. And so try to tackle that. Um, but first, let's pray and we'll talk. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love this time we have together um, to learn, to hear from you, to be not only listeners of your word, but to then be doers. God, I pray that you speak to us, even though it may be my story, Father. May you find moments where people can connect with it, God, where they can find you, they can see you, they can learn something about their own stories that you're writing for them. Again, thank you for this time. I pray that you speak to us. Amen. So in the Christian tradition, we follow one way we talk about how we move in the world is our relationship up with God, right? Everyone breathe in, lifting your body up, loving God, and then our relationship out with others, breathing out. Everyone breathing out and loving others. So in my story a little bit, you'll see how both are connected how deeper relationships with others leads me to deeper relationship with God. And deeper relationship with God has led me to love others better. 
My understanding of God and what matters to him has led me to love others more. And yeah, I'll show a little bit more on that. But that's one thing I think that our theology and thoughts of God should always do is to lead us to love others more. So my dad grew up in rural North Carolina um, as a poor black boy and five other siblings, kind of a rural farm area in North Carolina. My mom grew up in urban Columbus, Ohio in the 60s and 70s. And so my family moved to Cedar Rapids, Iowa because of a job opportunity my dad got that brought some stability and financial security for us. And so I grew up in what was a predominantly white neighborhood and attending a predominantly white school. But my family and I attended a black African-American church on Sundays and during the week as well for different services. There's like something going on every single day of the week at church. It was kind of like the the hub um, where we were at every day. And so it was always my desire growing up to bring these two worlds together this like black church space I was in and then this like white neighborhood and school space I was in and I was pretty innocent and in thinking about it right as a kid I just innocently wanted my friends at school who are white to meet my friends at church who are black because I thought that they would get along it's like oh this dude would really like this guy um at church like does anyone have that you have like two friends in separate spaces and you're like man like if they would meet I know that they really like each other I remember getting a glimpse of this when the Wii first came out. Who remembers when the Wii first came out, all right? That was like the thing. For my brother's birthday party, we had friends from our church and friends from school come together, and he got the Wii for his birthday, and so we played Wii Sports the entire night. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a fun time. I always wanted to have parties that brought groups and different people together like this. And during this time, it was my understanding that this is what God wanted as well. I believe that God wanted unity, and so that was a big value of mine. I wanted my friends to be one, just like Jesus prayed, right? We see in John 17 that we would be one as he and his Father in heaven are one. It's verses like these from the Bible that shaped my understanding of God and beliefs at the time. I wanted everyone to get along and relate to one another so that we could be one big friend group. However, I learned that the value of unity and how I viewed it at that time was not enough. I began to learn that unity can wrongly turn into uniformity when everyone feels forced to look alike or to act the same. And we often don't acknowledge one another's differences, but instead focus on our sameness. And this can lead us to assimilate into one way of being and erases our uniqueness. I then began to recognize and understand God's heart and desire for diversity. I learned that the kingdom of God will include people from all nations and tribes that are different and are speaking their own language, according to Revelation 21. I also began to recognize this by looking around at God's creation. Psalms 19 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the skies display his craftsmanship, that God is an artist. And all the different colors outside and the different shapes all together in harmony spoke to me how God loves diversity. And then diversity became a special value of mine during my college years at ASU. Forks up. Anybody? Oh, wow. Wow. 
I met people from all over the world and learned to honor their uniqueness, and I saw more in color. However, where I was from in Iowa, there was this thing, like if you had any drop of black in you, you'd be considered black. You'd just be like, oh, that person's black. But there was this girl I met in college who was mixed with black, Latina, and white, and she wanted me to know that she wanted to honor all the cultures that were represented in her. I would just call her black. She's like, nah. She's like, no. I'm like, have all these cultures part of me. I learned that this is what it means to notice and to embrace diversity. So I was like, yes, I got it now. Striving towards unity and acknowledging diversity will make everyone feel welcome and bring people together to love more and is God's heart, which will lead us to love God more. But then I began noticing the harm that was done to individuals and people groups within communities. If there's been so much hurt done to one another, how can we come together and love well? I then learned about reconciliation and God's heart for that as well. For reconciliation to happen, there must be a recognition of the wrong that has been done. Since being married, I've noticed I say sorry probably at least 10 to 15 times a day, right? <laughs> and it was at this stage of learning about reconciliation, I learned about the beauty of the table. Jesus tells a lot of stories about a banquet and that reflecting uh, God's kingdom, the, the banquet table. That he invites everyone at the table into dialogue and discussion to repair any harm that's been done. And everyone's welcome to the table. Each of these landscapes dramatically impacted how I viewed the world around me and allowed me to hear from God, which led me to love my neighbor better and to love God more. As I said before, our theology and understanding of God should lead us to love our neighbor more. I then questioned, well, well what is my role at the table for reconciliation? The final stage that I want us to call into is what I believe to be the last and most encompassing stage, which is solidarity. Being here at Neighborhood Ministries and learning from Kaleo has taught me true solidarity. To truly be with people I serve who have come from traumatic scenarios and live in an underserved space. Where I work at now, Neighborhood Ministries, has been here in downtown Phoenix for 40 years, being with distressed and traumatized families. Notice the word with and not for. Alongside the community, Neighborhood Ministries has been loving God and their neighbor, loving majority Latino families and those who have grown up with great struggle. And while serving here, I've witnessed and admired the love of the people I serve that they have of their cultural identity, the, the love of the diversity, that they, the, the love of their own Latino and heritage from history to language to food. And so I remember I had to do this research project for a uh, program I was part of, um, MTC, and in doing that, I was considering, okay, what's a good thing for me to research? And I was talking with Kit, who's the founder, the white lady you guys saw in the video. Um, I was asking her, like, what's a good thing to, to research, you think? And she was saying, maybe doing some cross-cultural, like, studies. There's not much written when it comes to, like, the African-American lived experience, right, in a Latino context. And she's like, maybe you should research how that mix and that dynamic plays out. I was like, man. 
that sounds good. And I was like, there's not much really written about that, not much talked about that. I'd love to kind of dive into that. And that when contemplating it, I, I kind of came across like, well, I don't even know how well I can speak to my own black culture and my own black theology and to the only ch- black church history um, to be able to speak how it crosses cultures. <laughs> um, and so I did that instead for my research project. Um, I, I dove deep into researching a lot of different things with black churches, black history, and black theologians and pastors. And was the, the focus of it was um, studying the African-American missional witness in the U.S., so how African-Americans have been a witness of God and his kingdom in the U.S. throughout history um, was, was what I decided to study. And also, this is a, a side note, uh, early on in this journey, it was a book that I had read with Chris called James, God of the Oppressed by James Cone, which is what introduced to me um, this idea of being black while also being Christian, right? Where sometimes in our faith, it feels like we have to strip away all these other parts of ourselves, um, instead of highlighting the the beauty of what God's given us in our heritage. Um, And so that book as well was was something I was diving deep into and learning, like, what was this meaning during this time and culture and place and all the things? And so in my studies, I discovered the beauty of what was called Hush Harbors. Hush Harbors were a place where my enslaved ancestors would hide away. It was like their church. It's where they went to praise God in a way that continued their West African traditions. It was a a sanctuary space for them in the forest where they would go, where they would praise God together in a way that, that didn't need to be confined by their white masters told them to. It was a safe space to express one's anguish of slavery and hope for a liberating Jesus. And a couple of years ago, here at Kaleo, I gave the, the first message on Black History Month as well and discussed the beauty of the black church and lessons and wisdom from the black church. The black church has been historically the social hub for African Americans and has greatly impacted the well-being of African American communities here in the country. It was a key part in the civil rights movement was the black church. And then Black Lives Matter, right, is a more recent organization and movement seeking the liberation of all black folks that was birthed after the police killing of Mike Brown and the acquittal of uh, George Zimmerman, who killed Trayvon Martin, right, was the birth of Black Lives Matter. So many black institutions have played a, a part in moving society towards justice and towards peace. And so now... Aaron and I have the honor to start Black South and is how we decide to bear witness of God and his kingdom according to our time and history and place in this country. Standing in solidarity with our ancestors from the South who struggled and endured for me to be here today. I truly believe solidarity encompasses all of it. And Jesus shows us what solidarity looks like with those who are suffering. He inspires us to do the same in Matthew when he says, when you have served the least of these, he says, you served me. He stands in so much solidarity with those oppressed that he says that when you serve those who are suffering and oppressed, you serve me. 
to sacrifice a space of comfort to be with those who are hurting. Yesterday, when I was on the, the panel as well, and I was kind of looking at, out at the room and the, these college-age students, um, right, they're at a moment in their lives, they're ambitious, right, for their career, they're wanting to, to see, like, how can I climb the, the social ladder, how can I climb, like, being recognized and things that creating change means, right, being the most powerful person in the room and having the most power in a space is what will foster the most change. Um, and while sitting there and all the questions asked to me, it's just like, man, like, I just want to be on the side of those most hurting and those most depressed. Like, that's where I want to be found at, which I'm pretty sure was quite subversive for, <laughs> for, for some of what they were, were wanting and desiring. And so as we start this journey, Aaron and I, and going to Durham, it grieves me that not all of you all will be able to join us um, in Durham, North Carolina, but I ask you all to join us in being in solidarity with those who are suffering and lost. My encouragement is to stand in solidarity with those who you see around you and those in the outskirts, just as Jesus stood in solidarity with us. Paul reflects on this as he says this poem in Philippians 2, 6 through 11. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That as we, right, I think in a couple weeks, Ash Wednesday is coming up and we head into the season, right, of Easter. And I know Neighborhood Ministries and is going through this book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree. Is that still true? All right. The Cross and the Lynching Tree, which, which signals this, this imagery of African Americans who died in the South who were lynched, that being in solidarity in relation with Jesus who died on the cross. Um, and so as we see how Jesus has left his place of comfort and honor to be with humanity and to be with those who are most oppressed and marginalized. We follow Jesus into entering the reality of others who are different from us to stand with them and support them. Amen? Cool. I think that's all I got. <laughs> so let's... Uh, <laughs> you want me to pray? And then can pass it to you? Cool. Let's pray. God, we breathe in as we seek to love you more and breathe out as we seek to love others more, God, and how you ask us to. God, I ask us that I ask that you would show us who you are and you would show us who we are as we journey along to fulfill the mission. In your name I pray, amen. 
For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.